observatories and visitors alike. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm glad to see you. And um, I pray that you are doing well. I know Minister Sam asked um, about comments and any feedback from what we've been learning and just uh, wanted to give time to yield the floor to those who might have had comments. Um, I will say, <laughs> before I get into this teaching, this has been a crazy couple of weeks. I would even say a month. I don't know if anybody's on the line that can agree with that. But it just seems like everything is in hyperdrive for some reason. Um, but God is still on the throne. Uh, he still loves us. And there is still work to do in this earth. And so um, we keep pushing. That's what we, we've learned. That's what we know. Um, and that's how, that's how we do at the, the uh, conservatory. We keep moving despite what is happening and, uh, uh, around us. So tonight is the press. I just want to let y'all know. But uh, God has something to share with us tonight. And, um, you know, I, I, I pray that uh, all of us are blessed as a result of it. So I'm going to go ahead and share my screen. Let me see here. All right. And um, just let me know a thumbs up or something if if uh, you can say, OK. All right. So tonight, um, these are normal things that we see on Sundays and Tuesdays with our presentations, um, copyright notification and our uh, disclaimer. So you all are aware. Um, and these are our, our pillars and uh, our an overview and information that you all are familiar with again. But um, when I do show this slide, I always like to point out that our, our roots grow deep in him. Um, it is all about Christ. It is all about uh, revealing him in this earth. It is all about image and likeness. And these are things you already know, but I just want to reemphasize that. Um, this is the giving information. And um, I, I'm not sure if uh, Minister Veruba is on the line. If she is not, I will show this uh, this slide again at the end. But um, don't forget to give if, uh, as you're led uh, by Holy Spirit. So let's get into um, tonight's teaching. And um, just a little bit of background. I The last time I taught was in July. And you all know that I taught on the perfect conditions. I'm still getting downloads from that and um, we'll be sharing more. But there's several different things that I'm studying. And um, in the midst of my studying, I just, and, and also in the midst of what we've been learning um, with, with uh, Apostle Teresa teaching on the devil, Satan, demons, God's sovereignty, and that there is no war because Jesus uh, handled all of that. He, he resolved all of that. The devil is not equal to God. So she's been, she's been teaching in that vein. And so from that vein and other things that God has been downloading to me, there's there's this question in our um, forward progression, in our daily living, in our um, you know our pursuit to reveal Christ in the earth. Uh, is there congruence between what we say, what we know, and what we actually believe? Um, because a lot of times, some of the things we do have. They they totally are contrary to 
what we say we believe, totally contrary to the truth. Um, and when you look at the landscape of what's happening nationally, internationally, and all over the place, and you all hear me say this all the time because it is so true, um, we we are in a we are in a press. There are so many things vying for our attention. There are so many things tempting us. There are so many things trying to pull us out of the will of God. Uh, we really, as believers, have to make sure that we are staying congruent with the truth of God, not just in word, but in deed. So tonight's message is about um, congruence. So the, the topic is tree or truth. Now, I know that sounds crazy, but we'll get into it and you'll see what I'm talking about here. And this picture here, you guys know I love pictures, is really about examining ourselves. A lot of times we'll hear a message or we'll read something and we're like, oh, that's for so-and-so, or, or this, you know, this applies to this person or that person. And we forget to make sure that we are addressing us first because we are the first partaker of anything that we teach, we preach, we share. We're also the first partaker uh, of anything that we hear. So this is about us um, first. So tree or truth. So when we go to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 2 through 4, um, we will see Paul is talking to uh, the, the, the believers in Corinth. This is his second letter. He's had to set some things straight. Um, and I, I love 1 and 2 Corinthians for various reasons. But here we see him talking to them about um, how he has groomed them, how he has taught them over time. And basically, he's telling them, listen, I have done my due diligence to make sure that you have received truth, you have seen truth demonstrated, and that you have everything you need to be equipped to actually go forth and reveal Christ. Um, Paul is telling them, I've done my due diligence here. But there is a, a, a bit of fear or apprehension in him concerning them um, that there might be some deceit that seeps in because they're, you know, these false teachers and people coming about trying to present everything contrary to what has been laid down in terms of the foundation of who Christ is. So he goes on to say, for I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband that I might present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest someone or somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we may ha whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. And again, so he's, he's, he's letting them know, listen, I know you have the right foundation. I know you have truth. This is not about what you don't have. This is about what you do have and what you're doing with that. I'm just a little concerned that because of the barrage of things that are happening around you and people that are coming to you and situations that are going on, that you might be deceived like Eve was. Now, as I'm talking about this, I don't want you to, I'll get to that on the next slide, so I'm not going to get ahead of myself. 
But here, I, I really want to emphasize this part here, the simplicity that is in Christ. Um, we shy away from the simplicity in Christ because of the things that are going on in our minds. Now, this is stuff that you've heard before, and I'm reiterating. We understand that learning takes place in, um, with repetition. So he's telling them your minds might be corrupted from the simplicity of Christ. Now, this simplicity is about singleness of mind and singleness of being. You are not divided in your um, attention. You are not divided in your affection. You are not confused or you're not making service unto God or walking with God complicated. This is what he was saying to them. This happens in your mind. This is not about um, necessarily what's happening outside. Our mind decides how to respond to what's happening outside of us. But the simplicity in Christ is about staying, uh, remaining in a place of singleness and sincerity. And I love this, in mental honesty. You are not lying to yourself about trying to do things in your own strength. You're not lying to yourself about trying to do things according to what others have said you should do, what religion has said you should do, what the world system has said you should do. You are being mentally honest about where you stand in terms of who Christ is, who you are in Christ and what he has called you to do. Also, simplicity speaks to the virtue of one who is free from pretense, from pretending and hypocrisy. Uh, simplicity in Christ speaks to not being self-seeking, but you are, I am, we are set on ensuring that what we do, where our mind is, how we believe, how we move is uh, conducive to the forward progression of us individually, as well as the corporate and the collective community. And, it, it, and the simplicity in Christ also speak to the wholeness and the soundness uh, that we exist in and that we exude um, in our service and walk unto and, and, and walking with Christ. So I, want to, um, I wanted to emphasize that here. We have made walking with Christ so complicated. We have put religious things in place. And we know here at the conservatory, we talk about the, the circus and the shenanigans that go on in churches and in ministries. Um, that's not everybody, but it's a lot of them. Um, and so we have, and, and even this, um, you know, just being enamored with the law, wanting to stay, you know, uh, in bondage to the law instead of walking in the simplicity and freedom of the grace of God. And so, so we, we've made walking with God, this, this whole thing about work and striving, and that is not God's plan and purpose for us. He wants us to operate in the simplicity of Christ. And so this begs us to answer the question, is it going to be truth or is it going to be the tree? So here we are. If we go back to now, Previously, you saw, we talked about 2 Corinthians 11, 2 through 4, and what Paul said to the Corinthians. So let's go back to the beginning. And I love 
going back to the beginning, because when we go back to the beginning, we can see the patterns. We can see what God's intent was. We can see what transpired and we can see what has happened since then, whether we are abiding by God's pattern or we are replicating or duplicating um, or mirroring something that he is not a part of. So in Genesis chapter three, one through seven. Now, let me preface this scripture with this. I'm teaching from a premise of showing you a principle. I'm not teaching about equality here. I'm not teaching about, uh, you know, Eve is the one who did it all. You know, all this craziness we think uh, in in the body of Christ. I'm not, uh, you know, preaching about anything or teaching about anything else other than the principle that I'm going to extract from this. So I want you to keep your focus in the right place. So I wanted to say that before I got into the scripture. So Genesis chapter three, one through seven says, now the serpent was more crafty uh, than any living creature in the field, which the Lord God had made. And the serpent said to the woman, can it really be that God has said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees of the garden, except the fruit from the tree, which is in the middle of the garden. God said, you shall not eat from it, nor touch it, otherwise you will die. But the servant said to the a serpent said to the woman, you certainly will not die. For God knows that on the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. That is, you will have greater awareness and you will be like God, knowing the difference between good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for the food and that it was delightful to look at and a tree to be desired in order to make one wise and insightful, she took some of its fruit and ate it. And she also gave some, of, some to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of the two of them were opened. That is their awareness increased and they knew that they were naked and they fastened fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. This is loaded, you all. This is why the question is presented, tree or truth. Now, let's go through this um, scripture so that we can see point by point what this pattern was that was established here. So here we have Satan coming in. This is all stuff, you know, Satan coming in and he asked, Eve a question. Can it really be that God has said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? Here, essentially, a lie is presented. And the enemy is, um, or the influence, remember, it's not just Satan or demons or anything like that. It is any influence that is standing in contrast to God's will. So here we have this influence has asked the question, can it really be that God has said? So a lie is essentially presented. The soil of your heart, your what, what you say uh, you believe, what you possess, what you say you possess as truth is being tested. So then Eve responds with truth. She responds with truth. We might eat, we may eat from the fruits of the trees of the garden, except the fruit from which uh, is in the, the tree that's in the middle of the garden. And God said, you shall not eat from it nor touch it. Otherwise you will die. She considered the truth and she verbalized it. 
She knew the truth and she spoke it. He comes back. The influence comes back and represents the lie and attacks the truth. So here we, here we have it. You certainly will not die. This is total opposition to the truth. For God knows that on the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open. That is, you will have greater awareness and you will be like God, knowing the difference between good and evil. Here, the seed is planted. Now, I want you to look closely at this. The influence says you will be like God. If we go back to the beginning in verses chapter one, verse 26 and 27, did not God said, let us make man in our own image? So we, they were already like God in his image and likeness. So you have the, the influence trying to convince Eve that she didn't have what she already had. She wasn't, she wasn't aware of it. Even though she knew truth, she, apparently she really hadn't had a good hold on it. So the seed is planted. Truth is, is, is belittled, is twisted. Now it is presented as a lie and the seed is planted. So then after that, she goes on to look at the tree, consider it as good for food and that it is delightful to look at and a tree to be desired in order to make one wise and insightful. Come, let's pause there for a second. If we are made in God's image, image and likeness, and we have the mind of Christ, we already have wisdom and, and, and we already have insight, correct? I just want y'all to consider these things. These are things that we already have. She already had these things. But because the seed was planted, she, she entertained this lie. The seed was planted. She went on to see things with a different lens. And now she partakes of something God said he did not want her and Adam to partake of. She gave it to the husband. He ate. Here we have the seed germinating and growing and coming forth. So the last part of this pattern is death. The Bible tells us then the eyes of the two of them were opened. That is their awareness increased and they knew <clears throat> that they were naked and they fastened fig leaves together and made themselves covering. Here we have a harvest of the seed that was planted. So I want us to take a minute and look at this. Once sin was conceived, once they, once they moved contrary to God's will, once they accepted the tree over truth, hear what I'm saying, something shifted on the inside of them, and now they had this inkling, this, this, this um, provocation to begin to work, to begin to do things in their own strength to begin to cover themselves, to begin to try to do all these things that were not, God never required. So doing what God asked them not to do gave them knowledge and insight of something that was totally contrary to God. I hope y'all hearing what I'm saying. So I'm gonna come back to that, but I hope y'all grasp that. 
when death comes in after sin has been conceived, it's not necessarily physical death. What happens is we begin to establish ourselves in a place that causes us to get further and further away from God, that causes us to get further and further away from the fullness of our sonship, that causes us to move further and further away from the full capacity that God intends for us to operate in. We don't enter into the fullness of God because we are too busy in another area or in other things that is causing us to be separated from the fullness of God, not from his love, because the Bible is clear. There is nothing can, that can separate us from God's love, but we can choose through our decisions and our behaviors to be separated from God and his fullness through um, uh, entertaining lies, uh, embracing the tree instead of the truth and all of these kinds of things. So I hope that makes sense. So when we go to James chapter one, verses 14 through 15, we listen, there is, there is harmony in the scripture. When you study, you will see harmony in the scriptures. I love patterns because they, I, I learned through patterns. I learned through repetition. So we, we see the, the, the harmony of the scripture of how this particular pattern that, it, that was initiated in the beginning is duplicated throughout time. So James 1, 14 through 15 says, but each one is tempted when he is dragged away, enticed and baited to commit sin. Not made to commit sin, but baited and enticed to commit sin by his own worldly desire, lust and passion. Then when the illicit desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin has run its course, it gives birth to death. Just like I said, let's go back because I want you to see it. Lies are presented. We know truth and we know it a lot of times intellectually, but the question is, is it really deep rooted? Is it, is it a root system in us that we really believe and hold fast to? We consider it and we can say it. We can quote the scripture. We can quote God's promises. We can, we can talk about all these things we've memorized intellectually, but is it truly part of us? Have we become one with the truth? Then lies are represented, repackaged in a way that begins to uh, dismantle the truth. And then we are influenced, we allow that influence um, into our lives and, and then we commit sin. And then you have where we are separated from the fullness that God wants us to walk in. So the pattern continues to be duplicated by choice, right? So as we look at this pattern, we have some key players or key things that are uh, in the midst of this. And I'm not, I'm not sharing this to insult your intelligence. I just want to emphasize these things so we can really be mindful. We can be cognizant of what is happening to us as we, as we navigate our daily lives and our, what's more important, our walk with God. So we have the serpent, which in the beginning, um, was just the, 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 the symbolism, of course, of, of the influence, the tempter, or the temptation. Now, that's just the destructive influence. We can influence ourselves through our own thoughts, you know, dwelling on thoughts that are contrary to God's will for us. Others can, can project thoughts 
um, you know, place things before us, put things, you know, say things or do things that will cause us um, to be influenced. Satan can do that. The world system, religion certainly does that. All these things that are placed before us, you know, to kind of give us ideas to get our thought processes going, uh, to try to persuade us in a certain direction. Then there is the tree, which is either an actual, it is our actual personal desires, lusts and aspirations, or it's an object of it. It's just a symbol here as I'm, you know, in, in terms of what I'm teaching. Anything that is contrary to the truth of God you know, our desires, our objects of our affection, all of that, any of these aspirations, all of that represents the tree. Will you, will it be true? Will it, will it be the tree or will it be truth? I'm asking that question again. Of course, truth indicates God's instructions, his intent and his will. And death, like I said before, is the separation from God's best. That is us foregoing the fullness of our sonship and the full capacity he is looking for us to operate in. So here we have in Matthew 4, 1 through 11, we have the pattern is attempted, but it is eradicated and neutralized. This is why I love Jesus, because he was there in the beginning. He was there in the beginning when the initial pattern was, was initiated. He was there in the beginning, you know, all throughout time as we have by choice duplicated that pattern, but he stepped into time. He stepped into our reality and he gave us an example of what it looks like to actually choose the truth over the tree and to be congruent in our belief system. Okay, that not only what we say, what we know, um, but what we believe actually matches. And then what we do, everything matches. Everything is one. Everything is singular. Um, so Jesus gave us the perfect example of what it looks like to neutralize that initial pattern that was set in the beginning. Then Jesus was guided into the wilderness by Holy Spirit to be tempted and tested and tried by the devil. Now I wanna take just a quick second. You all know when I taught in July, I taught on the perfect conditions and I'm going to be teaching some more on that. But I, listen to the word of God. Then Jesus was led or guided by Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted and tested and tried by the devil. This was a perfect condition for truth to be demonstrated or not just truth to be demonstrated, for Jesus to set the perfect example for us to show what congruence really looks like. It was the perfect setup so that we could know that as hard as it can be in the situations we face, as hard as life can be and things are going on, we can truly actually walk through this life and, and, and not be moved by the things that, that we desire um, that are contrary to God. We don't have to choose the tree. We don't have to choose the tree. We can choose truth. So Jesus gives us this example here. And he went without food. And I thought that was interesting because when you go back to the original pattern, that's the first thing that Eve saw. She saw that the tree was good for food. 
So here Jesus is showing, listen, I have destroyed that. I've neutralized that. Here I am hungry after 40 days and 40 nights and I still didn't fall. So he is showing us that we can we can actually face these things, these, these situations we're going through and be successful, be triumphant. So it goes on to talk about uh, him being hungry for 40 days and 40 nights. And the tempter came and said to him, here's the influence again. If you are God's son, command these stones to be made loaves of bread. But he, Jesus replied, it is written. He did not, he, 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 he spoke truth. Just like Eve did, he responded with truth, just like she did. So then after truth is presented, the devil comes back. See, now the soil has been tested and he's like, wait a minute. Okay, he's presenting truth. Let me see if I can get in there a little more. Then the devil uh, took him into a holy city and placed him on a, a pinnacle of the temple sanctuary. And he said to him, the, the, the enemy, the, the influence is still speaking. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. Here's, here's the catch. The influence having seen the, um, seeing that Jesus wasn't really moved and the soil wasn't really looking like it was going to be um, good for the type of seed the influence wanted to plant. This time he presents the word as well. See, it's got this mixture going on, thinking that, now, if I influence this way, this will sway uh, Jesus's, you know, his his resolve to stick with the truth. So he will, and he, and, and the influence goes on to say, he will give his angels charge over you, and they will bear you up in the hands, lest you strike your foot against a stone. But Jesus said to him, on the other hand, it is also written. Jesus responded again with truth. Here we are, truth reinforced with truth. The more you choose truth, the more it, you become stable in truth. The more you can respond with truth. The more you can rehearse truth. The more you can live truth. Here we have Jesus giving us that example. He says, on the other hand, it is also written, you shall not tempt test thoroughly or try exceedingly the Lord your God. Again, the devil said, let me try one more again. The devil took him up on a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory, the splendor, the magnificence, the preeminence and the excellence. All this stuff that 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 speaks to these desires in us to want power, to want to be seen, to want to be heard, to want to get, you know, to to get what we want and want it how we want it, with who we want it, when we want it. All this stuff is presented. And he said to him, these things all taken together, I will give you if you will prostrate yourself before me and do homage and worship me. All of these promises presented, and it's lies, it's lies because the true power in, in all of this, this magnificence can only come from God if it's real. Um, so he said, bow down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, I'm going to paraphrase y'all, y'all know how I do. He didn't just say, be gone, Satan. He was like, let me tell you something. I have showed you that I have truth. I have demonstrated that it's not just word, it's deed. I have repeated truth and, and, and I, have, I have established an example that shows you I'm not gonna be moved. So it's best that you pack up your stuff and you get to rolling because I am not going to be moved. 
I am steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord and the word of the Lord. Okay. So it's, you got to go because what you're trying to do, this influence that you're trying to exert upon me is not working because I have free will. I can determine whether or not I'm going to bow down to this lie these lies you are presenting, or if I'm going to stand in truth. I can choose whether I'm going to choose the tree or if I'm going to choose truth. I have a decision to make and the decision is be gone because truth is what's going to keep me. Truth is what I want and truth is where I shall remain. And he goes on to say, for it has been written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him alone shall you serve. Then the devil departed from him. And behold, the angels came and ministered to him. This is so powerful. And if if I, I know we all have read this and studied this at different times of our lives, and we're very familiar with it. But one thing I know for sure, the more we study the word, the more we give it um, we give it room to work in us, the more we begin to see, the more aware we become of truth and the more truth uh, becomes a part of who we are. I would encourage you to go back and look at these patterns in the beginning. Look at the pattern that Jesus set down where he neutralized the foolishness that happened in the beginning. Something that we feel like we're subject to. We, we got all this pressure and temptation coming towards us and we think we just got to give in to our emotion. We think we just got to give in to the influences that are all going on around us. We think we got to give in to the circus and the way that they are doing things. We think we got to give in to this world system and the way people are, are thinking and moving and doing. The, the, the I ain't even going to say the devil is a lie, y'all. We are a lie. When we do not, when we are not congruent with the truth of God, when we elevate our desires and what we want over God's truth. Where, I'm asking you for another, for the umpteen time, where is the congruence between what we say, what we know, and, 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 and what we really believe and what we do? Where, where is the congruence in the midst of that entire dynamic? Because a lot of times we end up moving out of a situation having chosen the tree over truth. I hope y'all hearing what I'm saying. So I think this is my last slide. These are some observations that while I was in the word and just looking at these patterns, um, just, just some things that jumped out to me. So the influence didn't come or doesn't come for our belief in God. <laughs> now, what time did the, did, did, the, did Satan, the serpent say to Eve, listen, God is not real. You don't want to believe in God. You know, he, he's a figment of your imagination. He didn't come for her belief in God. He came for her belief concerning what he said. He came for the truth of what he spoke and the, the standard that God had put in place. Don't touch this tree. You got all this other stuff that's available to you. Don't touch this tree. That's what the influence came to come against. The belief concerning what God said. I need to stick here for a minute. So how many times have we had to convince ourselves that we are the beloved of God? How many times 
have we had this contention internally that God loves us and he, 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 he wants the best for us? How many times do we have to remember, be reminded that we are the head and not the tail? We are above and not beneath. How many times do we have to be uh, reminded of these things? Because the influences are so uh, saturated and they're so numerous coming against us we have to be reminded of this stuff because for some reason, truth is just not sticking like it needs to. So the influences, you know, they're just going to keep coming. They're going to just keep coming harder and harder until we become stabilized in truth. So this is what the, the influence is coming for, not necessarily whether you believe in God or not. That's not even on the radar of the influence. What is more so on the radar of the influence is to shake your uh, grip on truth. It is to rip the truth away from you and make you continue to question what God said. The 365 promises that, um, that I know Apostle Teresa gave on New Year's Eve, some people are posting them, abiding by them, reciting them. I believe she mentioned it Sunday. All of these promises, this is what the influence is trying to come to take away from us, to strip away from us, to cause us to question. This is what we need to be aware of and on guard for. This is why we have to follow the pattern of Jesus, because it's going to be some days it's going to be hard to, to hold on to the truth, because the stuff that we are facing can be so rough and tough and all that other stuff that's going on. But we can stand and be stable and be focused and be congruent. The other thing that came to me um, was this thought here. When there is no congruence between what we say, what we know, also what we do and what we believe, we become soil that is rich and ripe for lives to grow and thrive. Ultimately, this will lead to decisions and actions that produce death. And we talked about this. You, we, we forego maturity, immersion, transformation. We forego all of those things. And, 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 and because we uh, position ourselves to be this soil for these lies, uh, um, you know, these things that are contrary to God's truth, we end up in situations like James 4, 1 through 3. And I want to read this out of the King James Version. And the Bible declares, from whence comes wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even uh, of your lust that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because you ask not. And you ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you might consume it upon your own lust, the tree because you're consuming it upon the tree, upon the things that you desire, that you want, that you that you see as good for food or consumption or, or, or things to do. I wanna read that out of the, um, out of the Amplified. Give me one second to get this here. Uh, let's see, James four and one. Here it is in the Amplified version. <clears throat> what leads to strife discord and feuds and how do conflicts quarrels and fightings originate among you do they not arise from your sensual desires and sensual as i've said in times past 
is not just sexual. That we we all our minds go to sexual when we hear sensual, and that's not always the case. Sensual is our five senses, our sensual desires that are ever warring in your bodily members. You are jealous and covet what others have, and your desires go unfulfilled. So you become murderers. To hate is to murder as far as your hearts are concerned. You burn with envy and anger and are not able to obtain the gratification, the contentment and the happiness that you seek. So you fight and you war. You do not have because you do not ask or you do ask God for them and yet fail to receive because you ask with wrong purpose and evil selfish motives. Your intention is when you get what you desire to spend it in sensual pleasures. All of that to say that all of the stuff we see happening in the earth that is contrary to God's will is a result of our desires being chosen over God's truth. It is a result of us choosing the tree over truth. When we can bring ourselves to the place of, 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 of the same posture that Jesus was in in the Garden of Gethsemane, when we can wrestle with the tree in truth and we can come out of that place having a, a, a grip on truth, this is when we will begin to see things change. For some reason, religion has taught us to make Satan, demons, evil spirits, all of these other things to be the culprit for what we see happening in the earth. Yes, the enemy, you know, Satan is real. Yes, demonic influence is real. But more than anything, what we see the manifestation of is our choosing as, as God's highest creation us using our free will to choose things that are contrary to God's will for our lives. It is us willfully choosing to relinquish truth and to embrace this tree, to embrace what we want. Um, so if we want to see something change in our lives, if we want to see something change in our neighborhoods, if we want to see something change in our country, if we want to see something change in our world, the body of Christ has to stop talking the good game. We got to stop just spitting back and, 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 and rehearsing um, the truth just in word. And we got to really choose truth. We really have to come into the simplicity of Christ and stand firm in truth and begin to demonstrate truth so that there is a place of congruence that not only our brothers and sisters can see who might not be as far along as we are, but also a dying world that needs to know that Jesus is real. So I hope this has made sense to you. I know that um, that was a lot. I'm looking at, oh, actually I'm, I'm under time. I thought I was um, over time, but that is all I have. Um, there's more that I can say, but I think this is this is good for now. I think we can have a pretty good discussion afterwards. But um, any questions or uh, comments, and this is the giving information just in case it hasn't been posted yet. So I'm going to go ahead and stop sharing my screen. Um,